Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate that. Good to have Shabbos again. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you say thank God it's Friday, you really mean it, huh? <laughs> you better believe it. Um, all right, tell us the update. Uh, we know there were riots, uh, if we could call it that, on Naharabayit yesterday, uh, last night in Yerushalayim. And obviously we know Friday's a big day on the Temple Mount in terms of number of people that converge on it. Uh, what's the latest from up there? That there, there were a number of arrests. There has been a, a lot of clashes. The police were well-prepared. Uh, I think that they're still expecting more, but the big crowds came today to uh, to go to Al-Aqsa. And uh, you see already that it's becoming a political issue. We could say we're not going to yield anything. Yeah. And and it really, it's, it's a completely false issue. It's, again, uh, something that is being revved up and the, the, you know, and I think you can trace it to, to Abbas in large part because of his constant references to Al-Aqsa being under siege, the, the mosque up on the Temple Mount, and the, uh, and the fact that he says the temples don't exist. He's gone further and further in, um, in, in denigrating at the United Nations, at UNESCO. Uh, the PA is behind many of these measures. And this is really an unacceptable um, manifestation because this is something that enrages people. We saw the demonstration outside the synagogue Neve Shalom in Istanbul. And I have to say there are people who believe that Turkey is fomenting some of this, that Turkey, uh, Erdogan, has invested a lot of money in Jerusalem and trying to replace, supplant uh, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Morocco, who have traditionally played a role, especially Jordan uh, and less so uh, Morocco, um, and the the uh, his role as uh, uh, wanting to build a caliphate, etc., uh, is manifest in, in this regard by his investment in Jerusalem, just as he is building mosques everywhere. So you see that there it's it's part of a much bigger picture. It comes a, a week after the vote by UNESCO about Maratha uh, Machpelah, um, the cave of the patriarchs, about Hebron, and the earlier votes against Jerusalem. And this is, it, it, it's a tinderbox. When you say Al-Aqsa is under siege, it can set off massive demonstrations. And I was told the PA had committed to containing it, and that may well be the case and why so far the, the number of injured and others uh, is limited. You know, there are there are... Uh, metal detectors at the Vatican. There are at mosques. There are at many of the important churches. And we know about the Kotel, of course. And, of course, to go into the Kotel. So it's not a discriminatory measure. The policemen who were killed last week were killed protecting Muslims. They were Druze policemen who were there to help maintain order so people could go and pray on Friday at, uh, at our bite, as they do. And the and, uh, weapons were hidden uh, in, uh, on the Temple Mount. Which shows collusion likely collusion of members of the WACF, and there were many things, explosives, other stuff. There's no excuse and no reason why these things should be there. So the metal detectors will prevent further weapons being brought up, even though I guess they could smuggle things there if they want. Oh, trust me. We know the logic behind it. It's just amazing that Israel doesn't enforce it, that's all. 
you, you got to go back to that point because, I mean, and historically, uh, you could educate me here as well. Why is it to the advantage of Jordan? And in the case you just mentioned, why would it be to the advantage of Erdogan in Turkey uh, to foment violence on Harabayat? I'm not understanding the connection. I don't know that they wanted to, well, Jordan certainly didn't want to foment violence there, although they are often very critical because it's a play to their domestic constituency. And, um, you know, it's always good to have a a target to divert attention to. In terms of uh, President Erdogan, I'm saying this is an accusation uh, that has been made, and certainly there's been long time, and I think I reported here for a long time about his designs, uh, in Jerusalem, because it is the symbol of control, it makes you a leader of the Muslim world. They, he he has all they contested. Uh, Iran contests Saudi Arabia's control of Mecca, Medina, uh, because these are the the sites that establish you uh, as a leader and elevate your status. And when they're trying to be a caliph or the pseudo caliph, then this is a, a very important uh, right they're, they're, now also they're trying to establish that, they, that, that when it comes to harabai you got to answer to us also i think it could be a diversion you know abbas is having real troubles in gaza he uh, and so this becomes a diversion of attention and certainly has domestic problems uh, um, that are very great and the 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 um, and here, I know the administration and others have put the message to him. It is not true the administration told them that they should remove the, uh, the the metal detectors. This is a decision that they recognize has to be made by police, and, and it's a security decision. Um, and we remember that, that in the agreement that was reached after 67, we gave, Israel gave away much more than they should have and much more than many people today think was responsible um, in that Jews and Christians can't pray. They can visit, but only Muslims can pray there. And yet, despite Israel's uh, generosity in over all these years in, in respecting those rights and protecting them, uh, they get back Abbas saying that the dirty feet, meaning Christians and Jews, stepping on the holy ground is, is unacceptable. Uh, and the um, and, of course, this cry of, of Al-Aqsa um, is in danger. All right. So status quo or not, meaning if one you know would see Harabayat right now, is it, is it behaving? Are things up there happening and are people behaving like a regular Friday? Well, no, there's a much bigger crowd than on a regular Friday, and there have been clashes, and theoretically they have to go through the... Plus a larger police presence. I don't right. know the degree to which they are actually enforcing that. Plus, um, right, plus the larger police presence, right. And then you have the much larger police presence. Um, you, you've said to me, um, I think both on the show and, and off the air, that this uh, that, that you never know. You never know how this could explode, God forbid, into a really difficult and tough situation any minute how would you describe it right now are we at that point where uh we you know we're, we're, we're one little episode or some other type of uh of um you know action away from god forbid something very serious happening i think that the danger here is that somebody gets killed or or seriously wounded or that they lose control over a mob um in this setting it's, it's true in many in similar circumstances, uh, often when there are big demonstrations and when people are whipped up, and remember, it's also hot there. Right. So all, all of these are ingredients for potential explosion. I think the Israeli police have done a very good job, and I hope that the PA is cooperating. We'll know afterwards uh, that 
that to contain this. Nobody will gain in the end. And to go your essential question before about Jordan right. and Palestinians, in the end, nobody gains if this thing gets out of control. Um, and and the um, and um, oh, I'm just gonna... well, the one other thing <laughs> yes, that, I I can, that that this is a way also to put pressure on the United States by the Palestinian Authority to say, look, we're the only ones who can control it. If you don't negotiate with us, if you don't stop the demands and start listening to our side, because they accuse them of being one-sided, which I don't think is uh, is necessarily the case, uh, but Abbas is finally being held to account. So this becomes a diversion not, on one hand, but also a point of leverage. And now I remember what I was going to ask you. The, uh, the Israeli authorities... Um, would you agree that they're sort of sending out mixed messages and you'd love to see more unity when it comes to cracking down on the Harabide regulations? Well, I think there has to be consistency and you have to, I, I don't know that there's any mixed signals. They try to uh, be temperate in the response because they know how much of a flare up and how this thing can get out of control. And, and especially during the hot hot seasons when people anyway are often on, on edge. And uh, but I think that asserting the rights of of Israel and of the Jewish people and, and for that matter of Christians to these sites that it are being diminished and and uh, denigrated and too often yielding on s- smaller points to to accommodate or not to enforce such as when they uh, Arafat did all that destruction on the Temple Mount right. when they were. Uh, cutting up uh, huge stones, and we went to the Prime Minister, we paid for a plane to take pictures, uh, then it was Sharon, but but it's been true all along that you have to assert, not in a confrontational way, but I think in an incremental way and, and a legitimate way, the authority of the government and the, the um, assertion also of our rights in these places. Um, Iran and Syria, how do they view the Hezbollah weapons buildup up north? They would prefer it not happen, or they consider them an ally and a trusted ally? How does who view it? Iran and Syria. They're behind it. And that's it. And uh, it is Iran that is providing the weapons, and as you know, the reports of building an underground factory for the assembling of missiles and other weapons, the uh, highway that they are building, the trans, the resistance highway, as they call it, or the uh, Shiite Crescent Highway, going from Tehran through Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, will give them the ability to move materiel all the way up. They don't have to fly it, and it becomes less of a target. You saw the prime minister mentioned this week that uh, they had hit uh, Hezbollah shipments, he said, dozens of times. Uh, We don't know the exact number, but certainly uh, numerous times. Uh, The buildup is reflected in more than 150,000 missiles or 125,000 missiles. Everybody has numbers, but we don't know how many are operational and how many many are long-range and shorter range. But enough, by any count, to cause massive damage. And we know that they have built a whole subground infrastructure in southern Lebanon, uh, and many houses host a, a living room, dining room, and missile room uh, that where, where Hezbollah has placed uh, missiles. And today, Hezbollah is a dominant force inside the Iranian government. Uh, it is no longer outside of the government or separate from the government. The the buildup, though, is connected. You can't separate it from what is going on in Syria itself, where you have 8,000 Hezbollah in Syria together with tens of thousands of others of uh, militia 
Shiite militia that Iran is bringing in, 30,000 from Afghanistan, Pakistan, other places, um, plus Iran's own troops, the IRGC, which is increasing its presence. And part of the reason for the road is that it brings it up and along the border with Israel which is why Israel is so assertive about the peace deal, uh, the ceasefire deal that was reached between Russia and the United States, why it feel it endangers its border, its consideration, that needs were not sufficiently taken into consideration, or if at all. Both countries have assured Israel that they will work and they will move to protect uh, Israel's border, but that means that you have to not do it retroactively, but you have to assertively prevent Iran from building this highway. It means that we have to prevent Iran or pro-Iranian forces or even Assad forces from being along the border of Jordan and Israel, and meaning the Golan, uh, and of course the border with Lebanon, which is today on the, in the hands of, of Hezbollah already. Yeah. So the, 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 the question you ask is, is really integral to the, all of these developments that we've seen in, in the in Syria, and of course the competition between the different parties, the new bases that they keep announcing. The, Russia has two bases. Turkey uh, is wants to build a base, and Iran is now talking about a third base that they military base. So they're talking about a long-term permanent uh, presence, which obviously is is uh, a direct threat to Israel. And uh, and and the story that came out, Joe, we can discuss about what Israel is doing. Look at all these guys spending billions of dollars in military confrontation, where Israel is the one providing relief and assistance to Syrian people. Um, and and uh, and I know that the just just to reiterate the uh, you've sort of indicated over the last few weeks. Because you know what happens, especially during the summer months. You hear about Hezbollah buildup up north. You worry about what you know could potentially happen to Israel, as you just alluded to. Um, and I know predictions are not something you're going to make, but but it seems you are less a slightly less concerned about something full scale happening in Israel's north right now because of the situation you just described with other countries sort of guaranteeing and overseeing things than you would have been in the past. Is that accurate? It is accurate, but it's not because of what the foreign governments do are doing, but because Israel has made clear what its response will be. I don't think the Lebanese people want a war. I don't think anybody right now wants a war, including Hezbollah, because they're not prepared. And I think the Iranians don't want to see all of their investment with them um, destroyed, and especially until they solidify their control of Iran, they're not going to want to see an escalation uh, with with uh, Hezbollah. I mean, we are sending sometimes mixed messages from here, you know, with the ending of the money for the CIA covert program to uh, which, you know, armed the anti-Assad uh, rebels. Now, it's true that many of these anti-Assad rebels are um, didn't prove to be such great allies, but and Jordan, it seems, agreed to, to the move. But others, like Senator McCain from his hospital bed, uh, criticized it and said that it's, it's, it will send us the wrong message. Uh, we are arming and, and aiding the, some of the Kurdish groups that are fighting with us and, are, of course, been the reliable uh, ally in, in this. Uh, but everybody, you know, claims that they're the ones advancing on, on ISIS and that they are um, in control, whereas it is the Kurds who are moving along the Euphrates River Valley and uh, against ISIS near Raqqa in a most effective way. So th- th- every me- everything that takes place now is a strong message. And when the United States and Russia come to some sort of an agreement without the parties being party, party to it, without having the prior uh, input, it certainly 
makes it more difficult. You know, the ISIS factor, would that make it, maybe that's one of the differences between now and 10 years ago? That there, that the radical groups, you know, are the target of so many quote-unquote peace-wanting countries? Well, I don't know for 10 years ago, but certainly from five or six years ago when ISIS was considered a major threat. But the major threat then and now still remains Iran. And Iran has all of its proxies, whether it's Hezbollah or the Shiite militia or whatever. But their goal is closer than ever, meaning to having control and uh, a permanent presence in in Syria, a a dictating presence in in Syria, because they and the Russians have the common interest in maintaining Assad in power. I sort of think ISIS distracts them. It distracts people from Iran sometimes. But ISIS today is so diminished in its uh, presence, and, and ISIS, in a sense, was blocking also the, that highway uh, in, inside Syria because of the area they controlled. And now we have to make sure that it doesn't fall easily into Iranian or pro-Iranian hands so that they, that facilitates them extending the highway. Uh, but it, it, the, the role of ISIS, ISIS will, will go back, revert to being a terrorist organization, continue its attacks. They're doing it now even in areas they gave up inside Syria and inside Iraq. Uh, they'll remain a nuisance, but uh, I don't think that today it, it is perceived. It's still the target of the United States said we're here to eradicate it and they have to finish the job and make sure it's done right. You have all these foreign fighters and coming to terms with that is going to be very difficult how the countries will protect themselves from returning guys and or people sent into various countries. And, uh, you know, I just saw a story yesterday, which, again, gets almost no attention, but a, a high-ranking Iranian, uh, Basiji, uh, which is the most extreme group uh, of the RGC, the ones who go around the streets and beating up people and doing terrible things, uh, was arrested coming into Boston under the guise that he was a cancer researcher. And uh, he was a leader of the, their military force, the besiege uh, military force, and, and high-ranking, which is IRGC. And he was involved in military research programs in oppressing dissidents and all sorts of other things, according to the uh, reports. In fact, he got a kafia from the supreme leader in recognition of his uh, activity, so you know that. He didn't get it for his noble deeds and humanitarian efforts. So the idea that that people will come back into the country, thank God he was caught, but it's it's uh, um, the, with the domination of Iraq, the domination of Syria by Iran, that is today the primary threat. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the Malcolm Siegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Uh, we call this the weekly update every Friday morning. Um, yeah, we had Senator Schumer on. He had gone, gone to the Senate floor and echoed the words of President Macron of France. Anti-Zionism is a smoke, essentially is a smokescreen for anti-Semitism and not taking anything away from Senator Schumer from Macron in his environment, uh, that's a pretty brave statement to make, right? I, I don't think it's brave to go in the Senate. I think it's true, and I think it's... No, I'm uh, saying him in France. Welcome. I'm saying Macron, I mean, Macron in France, I'm saying, is a, it's a, you know, he's, yeah, it's a much much rougher area to say that than here. That is true, and he is, but I think we have to be careful not to see that that, that they politicize, and not Schumer, I'm talking about Macron. Right. 
that it is true that anti-Zionism is the new anti-Semitism. Of course, it's what we have talked about and why the BDS movement, which say they target Israel or businesses, the West Bank, et cetera, at its core is anti-Semitism. It's the denial of the right to have the Jewish people to have a state. They don't believe Israel should exist in any borders. So his declaration is very important. I thought Schumer's statement uh, got a lot of attention and was very important in the, in the Senate. But, you know, anti-Semitism is today a growing cancer in all parts of the world. Anti-Zionism is one part of it. But we knew all along that anti-Zionism was simply a cover to say that, well, we don't hate all Jews. We only hate Zionist Jews. We hate Israel. When we know, in fact, that that was just for political uh, convenience, not because that's the, the essence. It doesn't mean you can't disagree, and there are people who have legitimate differences with Israel, including most Israelis, but the, the, that is not what we're talking about when we talk about BDS, when we talk about uh, the anti-Semitic manifestations of the left and the right in, in Europe and even in this country. Right, understood. Do you think radical BDS supporters should be banned from Israel? Look, I think every country has a right to set rules for who comes in. It has to be universally applied. I think it, it has to be uh, thought through, not just a knee-jerk reaction. But so far, they haven't barred tens of thousands of birthright people coming, others coming. Nobody's been barred from the country. Now there are cases they say that there are people who want to come. Well, why would you admit people into a country who they say and, and admit that they want to foment uh, trouble that they want to work for the destruction of the state that they don't agree with the right of the state to exist that's not a matter of free speech it's a matter of security and i don't think that that uh, you know the criticism of israel wanting to protect its people its and itself from having uh, you know known and declared haters of israel be given we we bar people from this country Every country does. Every country has has limits. So I think, again, it has to be done smart and judiciously, but I think it's legitimate. Hmm. Do we ban people from this country who speak against the United States, who have hateful speech against the United States? I don't know the answer to that question, but I mean, I know, you know, barring, you know, for certain actions, I I can understand. But I don't know if uh, people who speak against America, if... uh, if, of course there are people who are denied visas who are known to be hostile activists or uh, hostile in other countries or in this country. For their, and, even for their speech, not just for their actions. Well, free as I said, there has to be some definition of, of what it is. Right. But, you know, today, words kill. Words we know incite. And these people are not just people who have expressed a philosophical difference with Israel. They should, on that grounds, they should not be barred. But on those who are actively leading these campaigns to denigrate and delegitimize Israel, why, why should there be an automatic pass and say you can do whatever you want, you can call for the destruction of Israel, but if you want to come, you're welcome. Got it. Uh, are there, in fact, major pro-Israel organizations in this country that are against supporting the Taylor Force anti-terror bill? They're not against it. The, the only reservations, and it was a reservation held by many members of the Senate, was about the, the certain aspects of it on the definition, how it would be implemented, you know, cutting. Uh, there, there are people who are against cutting it because they say then the burden would fall on Israel, cutting the aid, um, and if it would force the collapse, uh, and the question of presidential prerogative, so building in a waiver or no waiver for the president over the Taylor Force Act. The, the, the act itself is a very important statement, and it seems that the PA 
just won't listen. They've had every opportunity to uh, cut back and to, to eliminate this horrific practice. But instead, according to the latest report, they increased it by 15%, the amount of money being paid uh, in their bud- from their budget to terrorists, the salaries that go to the families or to the terrorists themselves uh, or surviving families, and, and the pensions that they give uh, these guys that can run for 30 years or 40 years as long as they're in prison, and murderers, and, and the more that they give. And according to interviews that were done with uh, terrorists, uh, they said they were incentivized and that they regretted they didn't kill more because then their family would have gotten more. So the 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 this whole campaign uh, is an important message to say we're not going to tolerate it. You can't keep excusing it that Abbas, for years now, it's been exposed. We know that they are still lionizing murderers, that a key PA official visited the morning temp temp tent for the guy who killed the police people uh, in Israel. These are, this is intolerable. This is, no country should have to put up with this. And the, the um, tolerance till now is questioned by many people because it, it takes a heavy price. Yeah, but the negative aspects of supporting it, I understand if senators you know, need to voice that. I don't know if major Jewish organizations should be out there doing that. A bill like this, I would think everybody... I don't know that anybody has spoken against it. I think everybody is... Hesitant to to support it when people are turning to them for support. I think, first of all, it has changed, and and many Democrats have come on board, and others, and they will work out the language. It was more about some of the details... It wasn't about support for the legislation in principle. Everybody agreed to it in principle. People said no tail of force was an American Marine killed, stabbed, uh, former Marine killed in Tel Aviv. Uh, and, um, and, and this bill was named in his memory. So I don't think that anybody disputes that. The word, as I said, differences over some of the provisions. Israel has had reservations about... Uh, cutting off all the aid to them, because then ultimately the burden will fall on Israel. Yeah, that I get. Uh, were you in the room at the um, uh, Christians United for Israel conference when the Vice President Pence again promised, promised, according to the quote, that the President will move the embassy to Jerusalem? I was not. I was there before. I spoke earlier in the day and in a, with an amazing panel that they put together. And I have to say, anybody who has a chance to go in the future, uh, there were many people, many yarmulkes there. People will tell you and, and go online and look at the session. One I spoke at uh, was a major panel in the afternoon, which was with uh, John Bolton and Alan West and Eric Stackelback. I was the token Jew on the panel, I think. <laughs> and, and, but... 5,000 people so vehemently in love with Israel, so supportive, and there's no missionizing going on. Pastor Hagee uh, does not allow it, and I think he, he's a great friend. This is making a difference. People came from all 50 states, and an interesting thing is that the vast majority, maybe 90%, are first-timers, meaning that, that unlike we and people go to, let's say, APAC, go every year and don't even think about it, these people save up. In order to come, these are the heart of America people, they, and they, um, you know, and it's expensive to fly in and hotel and the conference itself, et cetera. What do you think of the Pence promise? I think he's very sincere. I think Vice President means it, and he says it's not if but when, right. and that has been the line all along. Um, you know, Tovia Tenenbaum was with us yesterday. I don't know if there's a better observer of, of American life, you know, in terms of American view of. 
of the Jewish community. He said something interesting. He said that um, that in the fundamentalist uh, uh, community in the United States, the older generation is much more supportive of Israel than the younger. Is that something you agree with or not? Yes, and we have been trying to address it. We are taking the millennial leaders to Israel, and once they're exposed, it helps a lot, but they are more open to some of the propaganda campaigns and much more exposed, and because the Palestinians, with the aid often of others, including uh, uh, people said from the former administration, with bringing sponsoring trips for evangelicals to the West Bank and not to Israel, um, that the, uh, yes, there is a, a weakening, and we are trying to address it. I know Pastor Hagee has built up this Kufayon campus, who have done great work and fighting BDS, uh, but we have to be vigilant and with every age group, and it's not necessarily because they're turning against Israel, uh, but because they, they um, in general, this generation doesn't have strong, as strong a commitment. Right. But I saw there were a couple of the crazies from the Turkarta outside, uh, and I saw how many of the young people walked over or came to me and asked, what, what are they about? Why are they, what are they against? What is the problem? And... Uh, the parents just walked by them and disregarded them. How embarrassing that you and others uh, who are yarmulke wearers have to go through that. More than embarrassing. And again, I say that it's the power of the pocketbook. There has to be a message for them to stand there and protest against Christians who expressing their love for Israel is beyond embarrassment. That's a ten times bigger chutzpah than being at the Celebrate Israel Parade. I right. think it's much bigger issue. Unbelievable. Um, tell me about the new Iran-related sanctions, please. Uh, this, this, t- t- this is getting a little bit confusing already, trying to keep track whether, in fact, and who to believe, which columnist to believe, whether, in fact, Iran is violating the Iran deal or not. So I'd love your perspective on that. And then, and then new sanctions from Washington this week. What's that all about? Okay, so the, the president has to certify every three months that Iran is in compliance with the provisions of the JCPOA, the Iran Agreement. As how, do they, how do they do that? How do they certify that? Well, the, that they haven't uh, busted out of the nuclear program, that they're not enriching uranium. Those are the really the components, because we know in every other area, from missile development to uh, support for terrorism, etc., and the president said that they certainly are violating the spirit of the law, and the, the, these sanctions against 18 people, key people, these are important, uh, against people who aided the the, the um, missile program or other activities. So it was a mixed message. And, the, and the, a lot of, again, it takes a long time to discuss this because there are ramifications. What, what do you do about Europe if the United States uh, doesn't certify? So the agreement falls. The Iranians pull out. What do the do Europeans continue to support it? I, I don't think the Iranians are still going to be so quick to pull out, by the way. Um, so the... Administration every three months has to certify. A lot of people believe that they that the president set it up that they will not certify again because of the the violations. In the meantime, the Treasury Department, which has been very effective over the years, and now there's a new assistant secretary who's very devoted to this, and uh, uh, Treasury generally has been, and I think the president uh, has supported imposing uh, more restrictions. Uh, on Iran for for uh, the violations, but the technical detail of the JCPOA, and again, we don't even know all the side agreements. At least 
I don't, and I, I don't know. And I know people have asked even in recent times to to have that stuff exposed. Uh, so this is this is why the issue came up, and the president said there will be additional sanctions, which we hope will in fact be uh, be implemented. But they did waive it, and um, we'll, we'll see now what what how they how Iran, and we'll only know afterwards what Iran did secretly. And all of this is going on as this new U.S. report, which your Daily Alert published, says that Iran is still the leading sponsor of terrorism in the world. <laughs> and I think the United States administration agrees with that. And uh, I think most of the members of Congress agree with it. And I think the American people, uh, by and large, those who follow this stuff will, will understand that, that is, they are the top state sponsor of, uh, of terrorism. They continue to be, not just regarding Israel, but around the world. And the IRGC is the primary vehicle by which they do it, the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps. Uh, and it, it's true that they are active uh, globally. Yeah, no question about that. All right, as we're mired in the depression of the three weeks, any good news out there? I saw that Israel has sent uh, firefighting planes to help Montenegro, that's good. Montenegro, Montenegro, yes, they did. And uh, I think that uh, there's another story, which I think is just funny, that Israel revealed that dozens of Mongolians have come to Israel to get political asylum because they're a member of an opposition force. So the message even gets to Mongolia that Israel is the place to be. But I think the big story and the positive story that broke, which we've alluded to and uh, I reported a little bit after my trip to Israel, where I went to the northern border and saw firsthand what Israelis are doing, what Operation Good Neighbor has yielded. This started uh, more than a year ago, and Israel has provided so much to the 200,000 people living in the region. How many thousands, three, over 3,000, have been treated in Israeli hospitals? 360 tons of food, 450,000 liters of gas, 100 tons of clothes, 12 tons. Uh, you can go on and on. I don't want to give the whole list, but it, it's unbelievable. Generators, uh, caravans, these mobile caravans that we've seen to, so they can have classrooms and set up a clinic. And Israel has provided all of these things quietly, to the people uh, of Syria, some of whom have given interviews expressing uh, appreciation, and they provided running water to 5,000 people by putting in new piping, and um, and all this in addition to the busloads of, of people come and busload of sick children every week that comes into Israel, and Israel treats them, and many of them are very, very serious cases that cost a lot of money to, to treat, including amputations and, you know, kids who have been wounded in the fighting. And uh, and there are Syrian civilians who, who have uh, expressed appreciation, and um, there are others in the Arab world who have said they only wish that their governments had done part of what Israel did to help the people uh, in Syria. Unbelievable. Just incredible. <laughs> A light onto the nations, in some cases, in some regard, we really do, or I should say Israel, really takes that seriously, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, Malcolm, have a wonderful Shabbos. We will speak again next week. Thank you. Have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call it the weekly update Fridays here at JM and the AM.